Today is Monday, December 24th, and you're listening to Life in General with Ron Tang. Hey, what's going on? Uh, welcome back to Life in General. Um, I don't even know what episode we're on anymore. I think uh, this is 17. It's got to be 16 or 17. I will check when I do upload it. But um, how is everyone doing? Are you guys ready for Christmas? Because I know I'm not. Uh, this year's a bit different for me. You know, I uh, this is my first Christmas that I will be at home since... 2005 because i remember well 2000 2015 i was in hong kong and then i spent the christmas in australia 2016 and then last year was i was in Viet. well i was back in hong kong and then i traveled vietnam and a few other uh, jungle asian countries uh, this year me and my my family uh, although everyone's busy uh we decided that we're not gonna gift each other with these crazy expensive gifts uh, just cause we're just going to try to do it differently this year. I, I remember as a kid, you know, I always get these presents and as you get older, you realize that everything you want is not tangible, right? It's, it's only achievable. So, um, but however I am doing Chris Kringle with a couple friends. So we kept the budget at about $50. So really I'm, I'm only shopping for, for two people this year and also my dog. I, I got my dog uh, Christmas gifts, which include uh, clothes, shoes, and, and food. So uh, there's that. So uh, I will be home for Christmas, not going anywhere. Uh, I Actually, I'm uh, spending New Year's at some Scandinavian spa that my friend's taking me to. It's a boys' trip uh, up to uh, a Blue Mountain. We're going to do uh, like sauna, you know, those Himalayan salt caves. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what's up there, but um, I heard it's fun, and I just need to get away for a bit. Uh, I, I just cannot travel during this time because I got too much stuff going on. I got some things tied up business-wise. So, But uh, besides that, I've been keeping myself uh, occupied with very trivial things as usual. So I needed a new outlet, so I decided to dabble. My friend got me playing uh, D&D, um, Dungeons & Dragons. And I gotta say, for the longest time, like, you know, I like, what the hell is this D&D? I thought it was like this board game where nerds play, it's like Risk, you know, you roll dice and you make moves. And it, it is that, but it's not, you don't, you don't play it uh, as like an RPG or, or like a quest. It is, it is a quest, but it's all storytelling. Fuck, I, I know, I had no idea about this um, D&D world until my friend, uh, I was at work and then... A friend of mine made me a character on the spot, and then he downloaded this uh, 20-sided die, and then we started playing. I think I got killed within the first like half an hour. I drank some bad creek water or whatever, and then I had to face some wild wolves that like, he, he summoned up with his imaginary mind. Pretty much like there's always uh, a guy who's the dungeon master. 
he actually he will he's sort of like he he's god right and he guides everyone through the game and you know tells people how like what they're what happens what scenarios they're caught up in who gets hit with how many hit points their chances like he he rolls the die and it's actually it's quite fun because it's like it's exactly like storytelling it's like me and you in a room saying like hey i pass you the ball and then you dribble up to the court and then you you slam dunk and then the other guy takes it it's and then he 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 dribbles he passes to that other player their strong defense it's like it's just it's really just basic storytelling and um so i started doing some research on it and then i got into this world where i make avatars for like our D sessions um i got like i have a few friends who play it like i had no idea well they've always played it but i kind of made fun of them their their little their little D and D LARP world. They don't LARP, but um, the whole live action role playing where they go into a forest. It's like that movie role models. But anyways, um, and I always knew like uh, the podcast I listened to, Harmontown. Like they they play it, and I always skip through those episodes. So I tried watching. Uh, I was looking uh, looking up on what else uh, Dan Harmon did uh, in terms of production and. He he has a a show. You can't you can stream it online, but I don't think you can find it on Netflix. You can find it online though. Um, it's called Harmon Quest, where him and his friends um they summon up these celebrities in Hollywood, and then they start playing Dungeons and Dragons, and it's a whole quest. It's it's pretty much like their whole journey is like improvised comedy. So they're they're literally sitting at a table. They play they play the game. They go on their quest. And then whatever the session is, they turn it into a, an animation. So it's like a cartoon. So he literally, like, he'll roll the dice, and then his game master, a guy named Spencer, <clears throat> a game master is really just a guy who has all these scenarios in his head. Like, sometimes they, like, write write up scenarios. They keep it in a book. And it's it, it's based on what the person knows throughout his life. So it's all based on, like, experiences and imaginations, right? So he plays with his celebrity friends. So each episode he has a different guest on. And it's like, it's so fun. And it gets crazy, the journey. Like you, you're literally creating memories out of nothing. And it actually stays with you after. It's like, oh yeah, shit. We actually, we went on a quest together and we did this. I know, I know. It's, it's so fucking nerdy, but it's actually so fun. Like, just, I don't know. I was looking for a new outlet. And I think for now, this is, this is it. I'm just, I like the show. And when they go on the quest, it's the, the whole thing is pure comedy. It's so funny. And, you know, it is it is Dan Harmon. So it's really a nihilistic attitude and dark humor. Um, it, it goes so well together. I know. I know what you're all thinking. This this guy's a poser. He's he's not for real. He's just dabbling in it. This guy's a wannabe. This guy, he can't be like who he is and then try to be a nerd. Like, what is he, what is he doing? Oh, well, fuck off. <coughs> Yeah, well, I enjoy the game. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I do recommend it for people who have no idea what it is. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I'd say that I'm, I'm pretty healed since the September incident. Um, so in conclusion, I am rebooking Paris for next month or, or February. So I will be back in Europe with 10 fingers. Jazz hands, bitch. Um, you know, as controversial as it may sound... The the reason why I, I, I desperately want to go back to Europe is, well, first of all, I couldn't let it go that I had the incident 12 hours before I was supposed to board the Eurostar. And second, as controversial as it may sound, 
looking at all the the protests and everything that's going on in our world right now and the amount of refugees that's going to all the European countries I'm not listen I'm not saying they don't belong there it, it you know I don't have a problem but however I I kind of do want to enjoy uh Paris while it's still kind of Paris I want to enjoy Italy while it's still Italy like when I go there I want to hear their native tongue right everyone is going to try to seek a better life no matter where they, they come from um you know and I think that right now with everything that's going on like when I in, in a couple of years from now maybe a decade from now two decades from now my my kids it's like when they go to Italy it's not going to be the Italy it was 15 20 years ago from from now right I came here because I wanted a taste of Italy and uh, frankly I'm a little confused what language am I hearing doesn't doesn't sound Italian travel now okay though the way I see it um travel now travel now before there's any more environmental disasters before your favorite european cities are flooded like that was such a random like i don't even know what caused that venice flood just a couple months back like the whole you know like they say on broadway the show must go on so they see the you see these tourists in restaurants like knee deep high in water and all the waiters are wearing a uh, high uh high top boots serving so everything was still happening but it just it wasn't like it was before right with you know the climate and I just, I just want to be there before you no longer see the beauty of what it used to be, and, and hearing the the beauty of their native tongue, and uh, I, I don't I don't want to get too much into that, but you you know what I mean. Uh, you can see all the the memes floating around Facebook. It's like, what do you call uh, uh, the Pulp Fiction meme? What do you call a, a a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris, in France, and it's like something in Arabic. And, and not not exclusively too, but you know, there's a lot of ethnics, including Asians, including like you know the Chinese, uh, all the tourists going over there buying expensive bags. You know, they're they're high high consumers. So uh, for a lot of people that that don't know about uh, my culture, like my my family's from Hong Kong, and I gotta say, even when I was over uh, in China. <clears throat> So my roots are are actually from Hong Kong. Like my mother, my mother's uh, mom is partly from Shanghai, and my dad's a Hong Kong native. So when I went over, we took a train from Hong Kong all over to uh, Shenzhen, which is another part of of uh, of uh, Guangzhou, I think. I think I think it is. Um, where they also speak Cantonese. So a lot of people that aren't familiar, okay, let me let me educate you guys a little bit because uh, you'd be surprised how many people don't know. As a lot of my friends, they take pride in knowing the difference. There's Cantonese and then there's Mandarin. So Hong Kong, they're they're mainly Cantonese speakers, which is what I speak fluently, uh, despite the fact that I was born in Canada, uh, Toronto, homegrown. Uh, a lot of my cousins have actually lost their Cantonese, but I've always kept it fluent. Uh, you know, growing up with my grandmother. Um, so we, we go over there and they speak, uh, mostly, uh, Mandarin dialect and there's so many different dialects, like every province has their own, but, uh, Shenzhen has, uh, um, uh, they speak, they speak Cantonese. It's like a, a little bit different, but we can understand each other. So there's two types. First of all, there's like the, the, the native, like where you're from, there's that type. There's traditional and simplified. Simplified is the one, this is the Mandarin that everyone sort of knows. 
if you're a Westerner or anyone that's learning Mandarin, um, traditionally uh, you're learning the the basic one, which is the simplified one. Um, the like there there's no I don't think unless you take a really specific type like oh I I want to I want to learn the Shanghai dialect you know you got to go to real you got to go to a tutor who's really specific in 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 teaching that but you know there's no point in learning that because you're not you're not going to use it unless you you know you're planning to move there but once you do you can just learn that language while you're there I find that's the best way to learn a language you got to be submersed in that whole in the culture you know. All the all the times, like my mother sent me to Mandarin school when I was a kid. Like I, it, I nothing's ever retained. You know, I tried watching the, the shows. And it just I, ha- I haven't learned it, and I've attempted to. But you know, my cousin has learned it. A few of my family members have learned it, but that's because they were over there and they were forced to listen and to speak it, and that's the way that they did it. Okay, so the point I was trying to get at is culture shock. All right. Um, a lot of see a, a lot of people they don't they don't know how to differentiate you know the Hong Kongers and the people from mainland. We look at mainland shit like it sounds kind of bad. I don't want to say like most Hong Kongers they don't really they kind of look down on the mainlanders like they're they're uneducated. They're you know there's culture shock. They're very you know they spit they hork. I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about where you know you're passing by a mainlander and they do this and then they spit. Um that's culture shock to me. Like the first time I remember I, I was I was in China and I remember like I, I don't know where we were. This is like past like deep inside. I don't remember what province. This is like butts fuck nowhere in the boonies, which is like the majority of that country. Right. A lot of them come from like rural, you know, areas, farmland. And those are kind of like the rednecks of that country. So you can't really judge them like it's their whole upbringing right they were never educated in in that way um because i remember i was i i saw these kids playing soccer and then one of them picks up the ball calls a timeout and then he just he pulls down his pants and he just starts shitting on the sidewalk i'm like holy shit and so i looked at my mom and my mom's like yeah this is kind of how it is over here um I've been to like a, a toilet where it doesn't flush, so you kind of like piss and shit in a bucket. I'm like, no, 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 fuck this. I'm gonna wait till I'm gonna hold it in for another eight hours till tonight when we actually see we actually go to a, a hotel. Um, I the shit I've seen over there, like spitting, the horking, the 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 uh, spitting of of uh, shells while people eat, like they sort of just like spit it in their hand and they throw it under the table. I've seen all kinds of things over there like major culture shock right so sometimes um you know because it's such a, a a big country it's not i wouldn't say it's like out of reach to actually be successful like a lot of whatever industry they're in you know there's, there's high chances of of you you know making doing pretty good in in, in business wise so a lot of people you know when they sort of become a little bit successful in such a big uh economy they you know what do people do they they travel right they they spend so a lot of people they they make it out of the boonies they they go out into you know europe or you know north america and the things that they do are always judged by westerns like oh shit like this is how the, the this is how these savages are like look at them like just buying everything the way they eat the the way they they do things you know it's all it's all culture shock but you got to understand they come from rural areas where they weren't educated in that way you know i was there just about five years ago and people were still smoking inside hospitals and classrooms and 
you know, it's it's very it's very different. Um, you know, it's it's not something everybody understands. Like you can still kind of tell that since Project Umbrella, I don't know if you guys are familiar, where you know now Hong Kong, all the mainlanders are moving moving over there, and you can sort of see the difference. Like just something as simple as walking to the bus stop, you see a lot of um, people from mainland. They're kneeling. They got the infamous um, squat. They call it the China squat. They got the inf- infamous squat smoking and squatting while waiting for the bus. And all the Hong Kongers are just standing like, oh, shit, here they are. There's these people. They, you know, they're still, they're very different. You know, they, they speak Mandarin. Um, Hong Kongers, my family, we, we speak Cantonese. So that is the main difference. There, there's still a lot of uh, Asian countries I have yet to see, which I would like to. Uh, Japan being, Japan especially, um, which is completely different from the Western world. Everything down to like, you know, the way they shit, the way they eat, the foods that they have and and, and service and, and the way they sleep and their virtual realities. And it's just, it's a whole different world over there. So uh, one of my bucket list things is is to watch a real life um, sumo match. And it looks really, it looks really interesting because my friend that went there, he recorded a bit of it and he showed it to me via WhatsApp. And I'm like, this is insane. Like it's a real life sumo match. And the environment is like nothing you've ever seen before. And they got this cultural phenomena uh which i was reading up upon it's called a hikikomori which now more and more because you think you think where you live is bad in terms of people being a social recluse um you know even in toronto downtown the, the with social media with our phones like people don't talk to each other anymore right Everybody goes on about their business. People are too cool to call you. People like to pretend they're busy. People, you know, have too much ego to make the first move with the opposite sex or, or the same sex or whatever you're into. And, and, you know, it's it's not easy to date in a big city because, you know, you have the illusion of thinking you have all these options and you have your whole life ahead of you. So you think it's bad where you are. In, in Japan, it's like people actually, this phenomena called hikikomori, people stay inside for months, even years on end without any social contact. So I've been looking into that and I'm reading a, a book on it. So it's I'll talk about it another time since we're running out of time, but it's a super interesting phenomena, like what's going on in Japan. And they have this uh, population crisis. And um, there's actually people who are helping these people called kikikomoris by having people write letters and then they'll they'll slip it under the door of another hikikomori and then they'll write back to each other and then maybe one day they meet some people don't but i've heard of one story where two people actually you know started living together they got married um but yeah the social recluse uh population over there is is massive and it's like you can literally you know live in japan and if you're one of those you cannot have any human contact for like months on end except maybe when you're like ordering food or whatever but you know even that can be done electronically now so it's becoming a huge problem over there i'd like to go over there and see it i'd actually like to go over there and study it so um but yeah so in terms of that i think we're doing sort of okay over here in in the western world so there's that and um <clears throat> looks like our, our 20 minutes is, is up again as much as uh, I'd like to talk to you guys a bit more on it. Uh, but it, it shall continue like uh, the D&D quests. It, it shall continue. Um, but yeah, anyways, guys, uh, thanks for listening again. Um, I hope you guys have a, a Merry Christmas. Um, 
And also, I want to point out that I see a lot of this on social media. As, as much as you'd like to come to someone's aid during the holidays, you got to remind yourself to be gentle about it when you're inviting people. All right, don't just comment under people's comment sections. Hey, I heard you're alone. Why don't you come join us? Or just, you know, people have egos. People have pride. So instead, try, hey, we're celebrating and we need a few extra heads for such and such activity. Why don't you swing by and eat with us? All right. Don't put others in a position where they think they need some sort of salvation from you. Okay, get over yourself. Be genuine. Be sincere when inviting. Have a Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you guys later.